0: Hello and welcome to the Bandy and Chinty podcast. In this very first show, Phil Juggins shares his concerns following the Fulham match.
1: Given what they're missing, I'm wondering where this team goes at the moment because the last half hour tonight was rather
0: alarming. Dave Marples agrees, to a certain extent. You nailed the pattern of a typical
2: game. We're kind of performing this weird sort of bell curve where we peak towards the end of the first half and then we sort of tail off a little bit.
3: Steve Wright lends his support to academy players. They've been at the club since they were kids. They're a part of the club and I think it's really important that they do get special treatment. And Sean
0: Hockett gets behind Warburton.
4: I'll give a manager a good two or three years before I decide to it, want to do anything with him. And I think Warburton's the man for the job.
0: Hello and welcome to the very first Bandy and Shinty podcast. I'm John Anderson and I'm pleased to introduce you to the team behind Bandy and Shinty the magazine. They are Steve Wright. Morning, John. Dave Marples. Good morning. Sean Hockett. All right. And Phil Joggins. Hello. Now, we're calling this a pre-pilot which means we're not really sure where it's going to go, but we hope it's going to be good. Over the next half an hour or so, you're going to hear lots of conversation about forest and get a taste of what we'd like to do in the future. Now, we're recording this on the morning of the Sheffield game, a Saturday, but earlier in the week, we sent Sean and Phil along separately to the Fulham match because we wanted to see how they felt things were going as they left the city ground. We gave both gents a call back and had a quick chat with them as they were heading home, and I think it's fair to say that we got varied opinions from both Phil and Sean. Now, back here today on Saturday morning, Steve and David haven't heard this recording until now, so let's see what they make of it, and also find out if anyone's opinions have mellowed since Tuesday. And by anyone, I do, of course, mean Phil Juggins. Let's press play. <phone rings> Evening, Phil. Evening, Sean. So, your initial thoughts?
1: Initial thoughts are, and I was thinking about this when I came out, I could just record what happened tonight, and you can just play it again the next two or three or four times it's happened, because. It's the same thing. So here we go. Forrest play three at the back. A car source, a car source, and an academy car source, which means he gets more leeway, because um, that's apparently how it works. And they have no actual discernible tackling in anywhere in the midfield, anywhere down the middle of the pitch. The game will start off with Forrest having a really good 12 15 minutes, the opposition will score with their first attack of the game Forrest will rally a little bit, probably equalise at some point, it'll be a halfway decent goal, the cavalry will come in the form of some new midget to replace a tired midget who was pulled out of the midfield and it will continue along those lines, the opposition will score, make it 2-1, Forrest will fall to pieces and then by the end of it, it looks like it does every single game because I don't see how this is working
0: Sean?
4: I yeah, I'm really disappointed. That didn't look like a three one game to me. Their first goal looked a mile offside. I've not seen any replay, they didn't show any, so I don't know. And I thought Fulham didn't look up for it. I thought they were there for the taking first half.
0: I'm sure that Steve Hodge said something similar on the BBC that the game was still for the taking at half time.
4: Absolutely. I I watch watching Fulham first half, I thought, Well we'll beat these. That's the best first half of football I've seen from us this season.
0: Phil?
1: Wouldn't say Fulham were there for the taking, I would say that Fulham looks exactly like what we were trying to be, but two years down the line. Same shape, same way of playing, but they knew what to do with it and we
0: didn't. What was the um mood like from your perspective on the terraces?
4: Yeah, there were a few empty seats, but that's only because they're comparing it to their tendencies so far this season, which has been tremendous. You know, it's Fulham. They're not, they're not pulling up any
1: trees at the minute. I've got to say, the mood wasn't great tonight. There was, there was a real kind of ugliness at 3-1, and that might just be frustration because Forrester played reasonably well for an hour or so. But I got the first real tinges tonight. The first proper taste of people expecting a bit more from this. The only problem is I don't know if this team and this manager have any more to give.
4: I'll give a manager a good two or three years before I decide to want to do anything with him. And I think Warburton's the man for the job. I don't know whether it's specific to Forest fans, but they're a fickle bunch. They'll give him at least a season. I can't see why they wouldn't. They've invested too much. And when I say invest too much, I don't mean the money. It's the infrastructure. They're changing the culture of the club, not just the culture of the
1: way we play, but the culture of the football team. I don't, I don't think Sean's telling the truth there, to be honest. I, I was aware when I was talking to you, I know what the magazine's perspective is on this. And I feel slightly bad because you're meant to have, you know, lots and lots of patience and lots of tolerance and understanding. And I do have that. My concern tonight, watching that, Given what they're missing, I'm wondering where this team goes at the moment because the last half hour tonight was rather alarming.
0: Do you think that your view on this will be different by Saturday, Phil?
1: I will be dreading Saturday for exactly the reasons I've just listed to you tonight. Because if there's one team that Forrest aren't equipped to play against more than a nippy, technical, possession-based side, it's a big, aggressive physical kind of side and I worry for is because you never want to play Sheffield tonight when confidence is down and confidence was palpably down tonight and it just seems a really really crap time to play them. so just as this time last year all I can really see is problems at the moment
0: Okay, now we should point out that that was recorded on Tuesday night and we're recording this on Saturday morning, so we haven't actually seen the Sheffield game, so we have no idea what's coming. Uh, Steve, Dave, your reactions to that? Uh,
2: There's there's lots to pick up on that, actually, from both of them, I thought. Um, Tackling is overrated, Phil. Pep said tackling's overrated, and I think we're trying to implement that down at the city ground as well. The one thing that stuck out for me from that sort of small conversation was something I think that Phil said is that it was a, a sort of throwaway comment, but that Fulham were us in two years' time. I think I couldn't agree more with that. Fulham adopted the same pattern of play, they, they set up in the same way, the way that we did. They, they played it out back with a deep split and the central defender going on the edge of the box, and they did that with five minutes to go, even when the pressure was on Forrest, but they still maintained that pattern of play. And they still caused us problems uh, throughout the game. And, and if we could emulate, if we could be anywhere near that kind of pattern of play,
3: or position or results wise and performance wise in a couple of years I would take that. Steve? I think there was three things that stood out to me over the course of that one of them was that comment that Fulham are us two years down the line and the thing that always strikes me about a comment like that is over the last few years we've never been anything two years down the line because we've never had a desire within the fan base or the ownership to get two years down the line we've only ever wanted to be able to flick the light switch on and everything's perfect the next day. The other two things that I thought were, were interesting points was, one was the cart horse from the academy getting better treatment than the cart horse that had been signed. And I hear that quite a lot. I think you do hear with Smith and with Osborne and with Worrell about why do they get better treatment than, than other players, why are they given more leeway. Um, the reason for that is that they've been at the club since they were kids. They're a part of the club and they deserve leeway. So I think that's a really interesting point that I hear a lot and I think it's really important that they do get special treatment because they've committed to the club for you know, a decent number of years themselves as well. But, but let's be clear about that, that sort of kind
2: of rant that I've got a lot of sympathy for that because you nailed the pattern of a typical game. In fact, for the last five or six games, it, it, the way you told that narrative was absolutely spot on. We know what, pretty much what's going to happen. We, we're kind of performing this weird sort of bell curve where we peak towards the end of the first half, come out second half, and then it all we concede a goal, which is decent, and then we sort of tail off a little bit. So the frustration is palpable, and I've got a lot of sympathy for that. Does this team and the manager have any more to give? What a, what a great question. I don't know. I mean, obviously, from, from what you said, it's a, it seems that perhaps uh, and he, uh, Faith is dwindling in that prospect, but I, at the moment, I don't know.
5: I should say that I've calmed down. <laughs> <laughs> the frustration on Tuesday was, and we touched on this this week, it's the way the conversations go in between fans at the moment, is I don't really feel there's a space at the moment to be concerned, even lightly concerned. You're either wholesale 100% behind everything the club's doing or you're asking for the manager, the manager's head and certainly not the latter with me. Something that I find curious is that there is this incredible goodwill at the moment towards the club in terms of forgiving any kind of missteps along the way which is, is right, it's a new journey, there's lots of new people involved. I think the missteps of the fans need to be accommodated as well within that because Forest have lost a lot of games of football over the past two or three years and I heard someone say the other day, the best kind of analogy I can think of at the moment is if you went out with a girl and you caught her taking £50 out of your wallet and you broke up, you went out with another girl and the same thing happened. If the third time round you're with a girl and you saw her looking at your wallet, would you think oh concerns here or would you go each their own let's see how this pans out it's that for me I'm seeing Mm -hmm. elements at the moment of and it was more about the you know that thing of where does this team go at the moment because constraints being what they are windows being what they are finance being what it is if we're going to do this it's fine saying you know as we covered there Fulham were us two years down the Mm -hmm. line Fulham very nearly went down a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. trying to play this way and it was pretty much just Ross McCormack that kept them up that year I think for what we want to do, given time and everything, it will, you know, it will look great. Given personnel, it will look great. But given how we're trying to play at the moment, we all said at the start of the year, what happens to this team when David Vaughan's not in it? And David Vaughan's not been in it for the past six or seven games. So between that, three centre-halves, none of whom are or have any comfort bringing it out from the back. This yawning gap between Daryl Murphy or whoever's up top and any kind of support in midfield. I get that it's a system that needs to be worked on and improved, but someone made the point on Twitter this week, if you're a team in transition, the rest of the league doesn't care. We don't have the time and the space at the moment. So I guess my only concern was we need to get better quickly just because it's an unforgiving league. That's more about the league and less about Forest.
2: Yeah, the the, the space, well, there's a lot of things to pick up there. The analogy that you made... As you say, if the girl or indeed the boy were to look at your wallet, you're right. You wouldn't think, oh, I'm just unlucky, you know. And Forrest are not just unlucky. There are patterns. There are things happening on the pitch where, obviously, you and I and everybody can see. Well, um, that's really. I can't. I can't. My, my my forgiveness levels can only stretch so far. Mistakes are being made, and it's not the case we are just simply unlucky. The, the, I think there's. I think perhaps a space needs to be created. For the for the nuance that exists between everything's okay, things moving off the pitch really quite well, and indeed Warburton out, and 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 it's not our responsibility to fill that, but fans need to allow that there is that space from which you can be critical of performances, you can be critical of team selection, but it doesn't mean that you want to burn everything down and start again, and, and I think that's a perfectly, not just even a valid
3: viewpoint to hold, but it's possibly if there is a correct viewpoint to hold, but it's a very sensible viewpoint to take. I think we have to be a bit careful as well though, of not representing what goes on in a, an environment like Twitter as being the be-all and end-all of a conversation. Yeah, because um, it's not. Because that is by its nature polarising and you you end up in those two positions. I think it is a really interesting point because I think Montaigne is probably actually the epitome of that in that I don't think any of us really felt anything was going right on the pitch but we we went into our two groups because we were so desperate I think those of us that wanted Montagnier to stay and wanted to stick with that whole kind of keeping stability and everything were just desperate for something to change in the way that the club was being run because we'd had years and years of just complete recklessness by the owner and then on the other side you've got obviously people wanting to to make the change make the change and get rid and and it polarised because of that almost desperate situation and I think we did then end up having arguments about things that we didn't really even believe in ourselves because of the desperation to be in a position to go with a stability above all kind of mentality I think the difference with Warburton is that I think you can see what's going on you can see what he's trying to do and we know he's done it before now obviously there is no endless time limit on that because we cannot afford to go down no club can afford to to go and start it all again in league one which could take years But three months into a new owner, 10 games into a new season, we're a long way from that point now.
0: Sean, you've been sitting there very calmly throughout. (laughs) (laughs) Having listened to Phil's comments alongside your own, um, what's your take on it? Vitriolic,
6: I think would be fair. Um, It's nice that he's come back and said he's calmed down a bit. I don't tend to agree that Morrell's a cart horse. I love academy players. I like seeing them play for the first team. So they get a lot of leeway from me, probably more than they deserve, to be honest. But then that's just
2: me. I think that's a really interesting point you made, Phil, though, earlier, about the three lads at the back who perhaps aren't that comfortable on the ball. And I think that is a problem. I, I don't know if this stat is true, but I saw this stat that Worrell is, is, is the man responsible in the team for having the most possession or making the most passes. So everything's coming out from Worrell or Mills. So that's putting an awful lot of responsibility on a 20-year-old lad who can defend, who can pass a ball, that experience can't be bought. That, that's something that needs to be developed. And, and and also, this idea that Mancien, and we talked about Mancien quite a lot, I think he's a speedy defender, I think mean, he's got a lot of qualities, but the one thing, in my opinion, that Mancien cannot do is pass a ball. No, he it, looks yeah. uncomfortable in possession, when he's played as a deep midfield player, he, he, he looks at sea, he, can't, he struggles to control it under pressure, and the last thing he can do is pass a ball. So, I think there are... It raises the old debate, doesn't it, about whether you want your defenders to defend, whether you put the defenders there to be better at distribution. Can that be coached?
6: Or indeed, do we need new defenders? I think if you look at all the central defenders we've had, and I'll include Danny Fox in that, is I would say Worrell is the one that has... Is a footballer also
2: just this idea, and, and again, just a, a player's stock rises so much when they're not playing. So once they're going to see that Jack Hobbs has been hailed as the saviour who can pass a ball, but no. he's had an opportunity no. at Wednesday, for example, <laughs> and, and we just kind of get stuck in this cycle of let's let's let, you know if they're not playing, they must be better than what we've got. I would like to
5: formally withdraw my cart horse comment for Joe <laughs> Warrell. That that was unfair. Point being, last half hour on Tuesday. I thought Worrell looked like something out of Apocalypse Now. And that was through no fault of his own. Um Yeah, just the madness had, had set in. Now, the, every single comment you've just made about Worrell is, is entirely fair. I do go back to the the thing about, you know, age-old argument. If Joe Worrell had been signed from Port Vale for 300 grand and was playing like this now, they'd be uproar. Mm-hmm. Let's not pretend otherwise. However, completely take on board what Steve's saying. The circumstances are different. What's annoying me more about that back three was, uh, this is going to sound really harsh, borderline negligence from Matt Mills at this point in terms of his duty in looking after a young centre-half. Now, for all the shit that Danny Fox gets, Danny Fox had a superb period towards the back end of last year, mentoring Joe Worrell, covering him, looking after him, little words of encouragement and everything. Yeah. Yeah the joke was with Matt Mills you want to see a heat map of what he does one of where he stands and one of the area he points to and screams at now that can't be helping Laurel at this point but that just returns to the age old question of there are "Quote unquote" senior players at the club at this moment. and doubt Mills is on a massive wage because he came in under the embargo, so he's going to be yeah. ten grand territory. But you don't know how wage packets are worked out and things like that. But even then, for a player who, who defines himself as being a you know an alleged leader. And a captain of previous clubs and things like that—that that really annoyed me. And, 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 and especially,
2: really me. I did, at the time probably we all felt that the first goal, well, he must have been offside. Mm. Actually, he wasn't. He no. just wandered in behind Matt Mills, yeah. which
3: was which was, as you, I think, you know, negligence bordering on criminal negligence. You yeah. know, I think part of the thing with Worrell as well, and with young players in general, players that have come through the academy, is that there's no harm. In fact, there's probably some some very good things to come from taking them out. So he gets his run of experience, he gets that opportunity to see what it's like in the championship game after game where you're playing three games a week and everything else, but then occasionally to come out and actually get a break from that and a chance to reflect and see where the good and the bad has been and then that's where the coaches can do their work. I think the same is true of Ben Brereton at the moment where he's played a lot of games in what would not be his natural position he struggled a bit. Now's the time to whip him out of the, the game for a bit and actually work with him at what's going right and wrong for him, either in that position or elsewhere if it, if he needs to be moved. Just just to pick up on David Vaughan as well, that was an
2: interesting point you made. I guess statistically you're right. We seem to have lost our way results-wise since David Vaughan hasn't played. Having said that, I'm increasingly impressed by Bridgecut's role. I thought he gets in better and better with each game. Unless I'm mistaken, I felt that on Tuesday against Fulham, we, we, we just had Bridcut as, as this, you know, rather than a defensive two with him and Buchalakis, just Bridcut. And I thought to a large degree it worked.
6: No, I agree with that. But hmm. I, I also agree with um, your point about Bridcut. I thought on Tuesday he was, at, at one point during the game, especially towards kind of latter end of the first half, he was running that game, yeah. you know, had some forward thrust to his, yes. his play. Yeah. Alongside Benny. And, and it allowed Osborne to get further forward. Absolutely. That's
5: right. I think there's there's a lot of confusion as well, particularly amongst Forest fans, as to what the role of a holding midfielder is. Because David Vaughan ain't got a tackle in him. No. Let's not pretend that David Vaughan's a defensive midfielder in the old mould of that role because he isn't he's somebody who can accept the ball at feet drop deep and Fulham were the perfect example of not just having a David Vaughan equivalent but having two or three players not just a a, a back three who were comfortable with the ball at feet but midfielders who dropped deep were very mobile and knew what to do tell you who I felt sorry for on Tuesday night and not for the first time Dougie Because Dougie Friedman is the only person who, in his time at the club, managed to corral some kind of usefulness and coherence out of these defenders as a unit. And it might have been this kind of daisy-chained, (laughs) arms-linked-across-maginot-line thing across the edge of the penalty area, but it worked. Mm -hmm. And when you've tried to get them to do anything other than that the results become self
0: apparent yeah he
2: played to their strengths Play okay. pretty much the same back four back five every week absolutely uh, yeah. yeah which which were and then we could go down this wormhole of would we want Dougie to be in charge yet picking up zero zeros and binary results or was it ready for a change and obviously the truth is we're
3: not sure about that we don't know where we are with that one but it is a very good point the thing I say with Vaughan is that Vaughan's not a defensive midfield player but what he does is he gets rid of that problem that we've just identified with none of our centre-halves being able to receive Mm -hmm. the ball. He steps right into that line alongside the centre-halves and he takes the ball and he keeps hold of it until there's somebody to receive it. Um, And that's what we've lost. The thing I like about Bridget, although he's not quite in that mould, is that he sits deep but every single pass that he makes, he makes it in front of the player who's going to receive it. So he's naturally encouraging forward momentum even when he passes sideways because the the recipient is always moving forwards and they're ready to take the play forwards. I think that's sometimes where you get that sideways passing end up moving backwards when your passing isn't sharp enough. Bridket is gonna allow us to catapult out of defence by giving us forward momentum.
6: I was gonna say, I think the thing with with Vaughan is he's he's the player who will do the unselfish, unglamorous Mm -hmm. bit of of the job, which is, I'm here, give me the ball, I'll pass it to someone else. You play it forward. Yeah. I'm quite happy to sit in front of the back four and receive balls all day long. Make those small passes to someone in the same shirt colour. Mm. It is unglamorous, but, but, but he's happy to do that. Somebody's got to do that job. Absolutely.
2: Um, would you agree, Phil? That I, I thought we were a bit more. We had we posed a more of an attacking threat on Tuesday against Fulham than in previous games. Because you were, I, I totally agree. We've had this problem of of Murphy being absolutely isolated up front. And giving him one chance to score a goal, and luckily he's done it. But I thought there was more of a threat. I thought we might move the ball quicker up the field. And I felt that actually, in that period towards the end of the first half, actually, we're not just getting forward, we're creating chances.
5: Created loads. And as well, well as good as Murphy's been this year, let's not pretend he didn't have a shocker on Tuesday. There were two because there are a couple of were very, very good chances that needed putting away. Mm-hmm. The game could conceivably have been 3 4 1 Forrest by the time they got that free kick. Horrible free kick because it took an age to set up and from where I was starting in the Trenton, it was only going in one in place in for like two yards, or three minutes. Yeah. It's a very good hit though.
4: Yeah, Fair it was, it was it's, it's, on, it's a
5: very good hit. I saw lots of promising things. I've seen lots of promising things across all of the games. I don't deny that, like with Montagnier, who we mentioned earlier, A Warburton, a Montagnier, that style aesthetically is always going to get more leeway with the general community of Forest fans because it ties in more directly with what we all assume a Forest team should be. You know, I'll say again, if this had been Dougie, posting these results over the past six, seven games, it'd be flaming pitchforks. Yeah. But because we're keeping the ball in the deck, because we're moving it a pace, people will give time, and rightly so, to that. I saw lots of things that I was impressed by. What offset all of it was the absolute inevitability that we were going to concede in the second half. And we did. And we have done any other games. So I can only get so excited at the moment about triangles, quick movement of the ball, when the other end of the pitch is so fundamentally
2: flawed and there doesn't appear to be a short term solution to mm-hmm. that problem mm-hmm. you know we, we could talk about transfer windows we could talk about coaching these players hence what it, I'm it, saying about yeah. I don't know where this team goes in the
5: short term because you're yeah.
3: working with what you're working with Of course, I think point. it's going to be interesting once we've got through so we're unfortunate in that we're now going to play a game that we really could do without with Sheffield United we maybe will surprise ourselves let's hope we do but this could be I don't think I want to give you a call after the end of this game is what i'm saying
6: <laughs>
3: then we go into an international break we've got two I weeks off there's a chance to spend a little time working on yeah. structure working on organization and then we come back and we've got probably mm. half a dozen games against teams at the bottom end of the table Start with Derby as well. now this is an opportunity and this is the point at which realistically we've got to see some improvement in terms of results just pure results we've got to pick up some wins against those teams that are just below us in the table and if we pick up some wins we go back up into the sort of mid table maybe peak just crop into the the top half and everybody relaxes again
2: but context just one more point just going back to what you said again you're right with the freeman thing but context is all and context is everything and this is a different context to where we were under Dougie Friedman and indeed under Montagnier. Context is important and that drives it drives momentum to a certain degree, but there is a sense perhaps that I feel that, I think the context towards the way the club is being run and the way that the quality of players that we're bringing in, not all of them, but seem to be of a better quality.
0: On the grounds that Steve definitely doesn't want to call next week, we should really call him.
2: <laughs> I, I,
3: I am very worried about today's game. I the way play... Uh, I think you said it they're exactly the kind of team I'd rather be playing a pretty football team and my fear is that there's going to be a really negative reaction at the end of the game and that's not the way we want to go into a two week break
0: no no quite listen we need to wrap because we need to pack up and get ourselves off to the uh, Sheffield game that we've just been talking about uh, by the time you hear this podcast I'm pretty confident that Forrest will have won and we'll have all been worrying unnecessarily for the last uh, half an hour but anyway that's it for this first show as we say it's a pre-pilot we're not really sure what we're going to do next we hope it's going to get better and better please keep an eye on our various social channels and for all things bandy and shinty visit bandy but for now from dave steve sean phil and myself john thank you for listening
4: Listen